Welcome to the Living Parables Podcast, where we uncover spiritual truth and lessons God has given us through His Word and through our own life stories. I am Nate, your host. To all the listeners tuning into the show, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate all of you. And now, let us begin. Well, I'd like to thank you again for joining me. Brand new day, brand new week. I hope it's treating you well. Last week, if you remember, we dug in deep and looked very closely at the gospel. We learned that the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that through him, eternal salvation is made available to us. That is very, very good news. So I think what we can do from this point to segue into today's episode, I think we need to take a, a look upon what are we supposed to do when we hear the good news? Well, really, there's three choices to make. Two really in reality, but we're going to look at them real quick. Number one, there it's, it's the rejection. We reject it. Or that's a no, or we deny it. Pretty simple stuff, right? Number two, we ride the fence. We procrastinate. I'll get to it later. Heard a story of a guy who was told the gospel, and he was, uh, put it quite frankly, a little full of himself. And he claimed that once he got to his deathbed, then I will accept Jesus Christ as my Savior. The problem with that, <laughs> the problem with that is you don't know when your day is up. And you don't know when you're going to go meet the Lord. And so uh, that's pretty arrogant to say. So there's a lot of people that live that way, though. And that's very dangerous. But even then, that is still no. That's why I said earlier there's two choices in reality. So either you reject it, you ride the fence, or you accept it. So the first two destinies that we talked about riding the fence and, and rejection, that destiny is hell. Now, a lot of people think that Christians like to demean people and they like to lord their religion over them and casting people into hell. And that's not, that's not our job. Our job, my job, is to tell you the truth and you choose what you do with it. I made my choice. You have to make your choice. That's the beautiful part about life. And that's the beautiful part about God because he gave us free will. Now, Scripture does say that if you deny him before men, he will deny you before his Father in heaven. So that, that's a big deal. We'll get to that Scripture later. Now, if we accept the gospel, and this is kind of what we're going to talk about today, what do we do if we accept what we hear? Well. That is a huge step, but it is a first step, so we accept it. The next step, step two, is repentance. Sounds like a big churchy word, right? And it can come off as a little bit maybe intimidating, uh, but here's the thing. All repentance is, is a regret or remorse of our sins. Because our sins have separated us from God, and without Jesus' sacrifice for our sins on the cross... There would never be any hope of forgiveness for our sins. Repentance is also changing your mind or attitude about God, yourself, and your need. This also means that you turn away from your sin. You turn away from what your life is going right now. So you do a 180. 
So you turn exactly 180 degrees away from what you're doing and you turn right to God. Now, I'm going to show you an example of what repentance looks and sounds like. Turn with me, please, to Acts, the second chapter, verses 36 and 37. Some of you might be wondering, well, what about 38? That's a really popular verse. We'll get there. We'll get there. Verse 36, it says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. I want you now to jump over a couple books over to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. This is what it says. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation. But the sorrow of the world produces death. Now, going back to verse 37 in Acts chapter 2, it says they were pierced to the heart. Doesn't that sound a lot like regret and remorse in regards to repentance? They realized that their sins nailed Jesus to the cross because it was upon that cross that Jesus paid our penalty of sin. They experienced godly sorrow, which leads to repentance, which then leads to salvation. Now, I want to jump back just a little bit to talk about 2 Corinthians 7.10 here. There's two types of sorrow. There's godly sorrow and there's worldly sorrow. Worldly sorrow is when, let's say when you were younger and you did something wrong and your parents told you, hey, say you're sorry. And you go, sorry. There's no emotion, no sorrow, no guilt at all. And so I think we've all been there. If you're only a child, well, maybe you experienced that with some friends or at school. But godly sorrow is exactly what it says. And that's what I love about scripture. It all connects. It's, it's so beautiful. But in verse 37 of Acts, the second chapter, it says, Now when they heard this, they are pierced to the heart. That is godly sorrow. And that is going to lead you to salvation. Worldly sorrow leads to what? Death. That's what it produces. Now, they experienced godly sorrow that day, and that led them to repentance, which then leads to salvation. So you repent from your sin, and you change your mind. God will then change your heart and regenerate you, and you'll be new, which leads to our next step, being born again. Now, step three, born again. In the book of John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Let's go ahead and get there. Again, you get bonus points if you can beat me over there. Now, this is one of our main texts of the day. One of our main pieces of scripture. We're going to go ahead and read it. Go ahead and follow along. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. 
This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from and where it is going, so everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. so that whoever believes will, will in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Now, that's a lot of, a lot of scripture there, a lot to unpack. So, go back to verse... Three, And as you're getting there, as you can hear, I'm getting there too. First, before we get started on this, I want to mention that, isn't it funny how Nicodemus, who is a ruler of the Jews, he's a Pharisee, he came to him at night, right? Interesting. So, let's go back to three. Jesus makes it abundantly clear that unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus was extremely confused, to say the least, but he didn't understand that he needed a spiritual rebirth that came from the man he was talking to. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, this is what it says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. We, as people, are spiritually bankrupt and spiritually dead if we do not have Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 8 says, And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Do you see the importance of being born again yet? Now, go up to verse 5 in our text. Now, as we read that, this is what we can make of it. We must be born of water that comes naturally, physically born in which we inherited the sinful nature. So, this is a thought I want to leave you with with this part. We are born of water. Not to get gross here, but when we're born, before we come into this world, that water breaks, doesn't it? And the baby has no real effort in the birth process, do they? 
The mother has to push, and eventually, new life is born. And this is what it's like with, the, with being born in the Spirit. We don't do anything. We have nothing to do with being born again. That comes supernaturally. So, born of water, that's natural. When we're born of the Spirit, that's supernatural. Now, when I say we don't have, we don't do anything, I mean, we have to confess Jesus as our Savior. We have to repent. Those things we do. But as far as being spiritual, being regenerated, that comes through the Holy Spirit. Being born again means a new life which comes only through complete faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Let's go ahead and get there. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. If you mark in your Bibles, I would have these two verses underlined. These are very critical. Verse 8, this is what it says. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Verse 9, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. You cannot be saved by your own merit, by the things you do, how holy you think you are. Your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds. It's not how it works. It's grace through faith. Regeneration then and renewing comes from the Holy Spirit to help us live the Christian life because we cannot do it alone. Now, I want you to turn to the book of Titus. Chapter 3, verse 5. Your arms are probably getting a workout. This is your workout. We're in quarantine right now still. You got to get our workout in, right? Titus, chapter 3, verse 5. Close to the end of the Bible. This is what it says. He saved us. It's talking about Jesus. He saved us, not on the basis of deeds, which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. So, using your own logic, using your own brains, guess what? It's not about what we do, is it? Now, that doesn't mean that we sit here and say, God, do everything. I'm not going to do anything. That's not, that's not what's happening here. Now, we are created to do good works, but it's not those good works that get us into heaven. Because then why did Jesus have to die? Remember, my favorite verse, John 14, 6. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Very, very powerful stuff, people. I love it. Okay, now let's do a little bit of a recap before we get to our next step. Our first step was what? We accept the word. We accept the gospel. We accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, okay? We do that. We repent of our sins. Step two, repentance. And what is repentance? Repentance is the regret or the remorse of sins changing your mind, your attitude about God, doing a 180 back to God. That is repentance. Step three, being born again. We just talked about that. Now, step four, 
baptism. Now, the absolute next step in this process is baptism. Let's go back and look at the book of Acts, talking about verse 37. What did it say? They were pierced to the heart. Okay. Now, I didn't go all the way through that verse. If you were following along your Bibles, that's okay. So, going back there myself, this is what it says. This is some really powerful stuff. Now, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. Here's the next part. And said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? This is what Peter said. So, remember in the very beginning when I said, Wait, where is uh, Acts 2.38 at, Nate? Well, here, they, here it is right here. Now, this is what Peter said to him. Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. There it is. Now, I want you to look a few more verses to verse 41. It says, So then those who had received his word were baptized. And that day there were added about 3,000 souls. That is amazing. But are you seeing are you seeing kind of the pattern here? They're hearing the word, they're hearing the good news. Godly sorrow is happening. They're repenting of their sins. They're trusting Jesus Christ as their savior and they're getting baptized. Now, this is what happens when you hear the word of God and his message of salvation. You hear about how much he loves you, how much he longs for you. It says in Hebrews 4.12 that the word of God is alive and active. So you aren't hearing words of man writing this down just on pages. These are the living words of God, of salvation, how you can have this free gift of salvation. You hear all this, and if you're feeling moved inside, that is God calling you. He is knocking at the door of your heart. He is drawing you in. Are you feeling a tug on your heart right now? If you do, if you're feeling all those things, then you are ripe and ready for salvation. Please do not delay and don't ignore it. It says later in Scripture that today is the day of salvation. This could be your only opportunity to accept Him. This is why I'm here. That's why I'm doing this. So, getting back on track. You hear the word and you accept it, even though you fully don't understand everything. And guess what? That's okay. That's okay. Because guess what? I was there too before. I understand. Some of what is in this book can be a little bit overwhelming, and that's okay. God will help you understand. And I would strongly recommend you have someone in your life that is sound in the word and they can help you or write in if you have any questions. I'd be more than happy to talk to you about it. So you're putting your full trust in God. That's what we're doing. And as an act of obedience, we get baptized. Now, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 28, 
verses 18 through 20. A lot of you know this. Some of you don't. This is called the Great Commission. Now, these were Jesus' last words before he ascended into heaven. And anybody's last words are very significant. I would, I would, I would say that'd be a pretty true statement. But let's look at what exactly he said. Verse 18 says this. Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. Some translations say obeying. And lo, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Did you catch that in verse 19? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That seems pretty significant. So, Baptism is important because Jesus commands it. And here, as we read it, we see that he is been given all authority. He is the authority. We are to follow him and what he says. And I want to make this very clear because some people get this mixed up and, and sometimes it causes arguments and, and we don't want that. So I want to make it perfectly clear right now. Baptism is not the act that leads to salvation. This, what we just talked about before, that's what leads to salvation. Salvation is found in complete faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Remember what it says in Ephesians 2, grace through faith. It doesn't say grace through faith and baptism. But now I will say this. Baptism is an outward testimony of what has taken place on the inside. It is a public profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 10, verses 30, 32 and 33 says, Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. So, when we make that good confession, in front of everybody. And trust me, when you get baptized in front of a church, it is a little bit nerve-wracking, especially if you're not used to being up in front of people. Trust me, I've been there before. I used to be terrified in front of a lot of people. Still get a little bit nervous today. But you're making a public declaration that I have put all my chips on the table and I have put them all on God. I have full trust in Jesus Christ. He is my Lord and my Savior. I don't know everything yet. I only know a little bit. But I know that he is the one who died on the cross. That his blood forgives me of my sins. And that he is the only way to heaven. And I want to be in heaven with God someday. Now, baptism needs to be done in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Which we just read about in the Great Commission. And this is the cool part about baptism. Are you guys ready for this? This is going to be so awesome. Ready for this? In baptism, we go through the gospel. What? Oh, yeah. Check this out. Baptism illustrates our death to sin and new life in Christ. As the sinner repents and confesses the Lord Jesus, he or she dies to sin, found in 
Romans 6.11, even so consider yourself to be dead in sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus, and is raised to a brand new life. Colossians 2.12. You might have to pause it. I know I'm going all the place. I'm, I'm really excited. I'm ready to go. Colossians 2.12 says, Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Whoa. Being submerged in the water represents death and burial to our old sinful self. We're gone. We have crucified that self. We have that self is gone. That person no longer lives. That doesn't mean that we're going to be sinless through our whole life with halos around our head and, and angels' wings and, and white robes. That's not what that means. But upon emerging from the water, that is a representation of the resurrection of our new life in Christ. We are washed clean. We're brand new. We are sanctified, which means, I know it's a big church word, sanctified means set apart or declared holy. Now, I'm not trying to say that it's, this is like an infomercial, because I would never do that to God because he's too holy for that. But, I mean, this is seriously good news. I'm getting goosebumps right now. This is amazing stuff. And I will leave you with this one. Romans 6.4. It puts this so simple. This is what it says. Verse 4. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. Remember, that's the first part of the gospel, right? So that as Christ was raised through the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Whoa. That's awesome. There's a gospel right there. We're buried with him. Also, when we're fully submerged in the water, that represents the death and burial of our old self. We are fully gone. That person no longer exists. And we are raised up out of that water. Man, we are resurrected to a new life. Now, I have to tell you that you're not going to be dramatically changed. Lights from heaven are not going to come down. And you're not going to have the, oh, that's not going to happen. It's kind of cool, though. But if you stick with him, if you, you get in the word, and what I would do, and we're going to talk about this next week. You need to get into a, a Bible-based church that knows what the gospel is, that are in the Word. Get, in, get involved in Bible studies. Talk to people who know God, His Word, and, and start growing as a disciple. Now, Whew, that was a lot. That was some deep stuff right there, wasn't it? Next week we're gonna we're gonna talk about discipleship because that's what comes next. Did you know that the word Christian is only used a few times in the New Testament? Did you know that? And that people identifying as a disciple was used many times. I'd say over a hundred, maybe two hundred. So we're called to be disciples. And basically, a disciple is a student, which I'm getting ahead of myself. But that's where we need to go. Now, as we conclude, 
we are given many things from God, and I can attest to this personally. Uh, I've been richly blessed throughout my life. Uh, my wife and kids are just uh, amazing. Um, I have an amazing parents, amazing family, and uh, I was thankfully, again, I said it this last week, but I'm going to say it again because it's so important. I was taught the gospel at a very young age, and so I'm, I'm very thankful to be shown who Jesus Christ was because I remember saying this a few episodes ago that no one outside of my outside of my dad has told me about Jesus Christ. No one has taken that time or effort to do that. And that is, that's pretty spooky because I could be dead in my sins right now. And praise God that Jesus has resurrected me and that he has regenerated me. So I'm going to give you three things that God gives us that the world cannot give. There's many, but I want to focus on these three. First, it's a new heart. In Ezekiel, Chapter 36, verse 25 through 28. Ezekiel is in the Old Testament. This is what it says. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Remember, idols is anything you put of more importance than God. It could be anything. Verse 26. Moreover, I will give you a new heart. And put a new spirit within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I got goosebumps, people. God is so good. Verse 27. It gets better. Verse 27. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, which means his his commands, his laws, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I gave your forefathers, so you will be my people, and I will be your God. Amen. The second thing. There's more? Oh, there's more. There's plenty more, people. There's plenty more. The second is renewed mind. A renewed mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. This is what it says. And this is part about the repentance. This is part about the regeneration process that the Holy Spirit works inside of us. This is what it says. Verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Gosh, I want that, don't you? But guess what? Does the renewing of your mind come from your own strength and will? No. It comes from what? The Holy Spirit, who is also God. Now, the third thing that we get from God that we cannot get from the world, which also will be our word of encouragement for today. This is the third. It's the new and living hope. Are you getting ready for this? Now, I want you to turn to 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. So let me repeat that. 1 Peter 
Chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Go and get there now. The race is on. You'll probably beat me there. Let's see. I'm trying to get there. Oop, overshot it. Again, bonus points to you if you beat me. I am pretty fast, but not the fastest. All right. You definitely beat me. Okie dokie. Finally there. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 through 9. Let's have a word of encouragement for today. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again, there it is, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. I'm going to stop here for a minute, guys. God does not promise us a life of rainbows, sunshine, and no bad days. Trials will come. It says in John chapter 16, verse 33, that in this life you will have trouble. But we need to take heart for he has overcome the world. So I wanted to stop there because I want, I want you to know that because you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior doesn't make everything better it doesn't it doesn't just snap his fingers and 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 life's a bowl full of cherries and you're not going to have any problems and you're not going to sin and you're going to be hovering over the earth that's not what's going to happen let's get back to it verse six in this you greatly rejoice even though now for a little while if necessary you have been distressed by various trials verse seven so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor in the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Wow. I, I'm just, I'm left in wow. So, I have to tell you, this life is not all there is. There is so much more. And we are given the promise of a living hope. Because if you're if you're not a Christian, let's say you're an atheist, and they say that this is this life here is the best it's ever going to get. 
And that after you die, there's nothingness. I just cannot, I cannot believe that at all. I'm here to tell you that there's more. That there is hope. That in Jesus Christ, we can have a, a new heart. We can have a renewed mind. We, we can be brand new. Maybe life right now is very difficult for you. Maybe you've made some wrong choices and, and, and life is miserable and you've tried to fill yourself up with the things of this world and it just leaves you that much more desperate for something. You have a void. There's something missing. And what's missing is Jesus Christ. What I'm here teaching you right now, and not so much teaching you, I'm, go, I'm going on this journey with you. But let me tell you something. This right here, this God's Word, what we just talked about today, this is the best thing that I have. And I'm offering it to you. This is what God offers you. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and, and through Him, salvation is possible. Eternal life is possible. We're going to spend eternity either one or two places. Either heaven or hell. The choice is up to you. So, if you're a person who is an unbeliever before listening today, and you made your decision to follow Jesus, or maybe you're on the fence right now. Maybe you've heard of God, but you just you, you didn't take that step out of faith yet. You haven't made that decision yet. If you have decided to follow him, maybe you made that choice today. Maybe you're listening to the message and, and God has he tugged on your heart. He's knocking at the door. He's, you, feel him, you feel him drawing you. You don't even know what it is. That is God drawing you right now, right now. So if you want to make a decision to follow Jesus, I would like you to pray this prayer with me right now. God, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I deserve the consequences of my sin. I know that the wages of sin is death. I'm coming to you right now to say that I am trusting Jesus Christ as my Savior. I believe that his death and his resurrection provided for my forgiveness. I trust in Jesus and Jesus alone as my personal Lord and Savior, for he is the only way to heaven. Thank you, Lord, for saving me and forgiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. As we wrap up, thank you for listening. Thank you for your time today. I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps you and gives you peace. And until next time, God bless you, my friends.